Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. So far, wherever you is, just got off the phone with F-18, man. He's fired up this morning. Hey, man, will you come down and, like, do some announcing for my son's high school football game? (laughs) I'm like, what? He goes, I'll spot for you. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? So... Yeah, high school sports. Greg Lotus and I used to, who you hear on Friday, Greg played in the NFL before he uh, injured his knee. It got operated on. It then gets infected after the operation, and Greg loses uh, the functional use of his, I believe it's his right leg, below the knee because of the the because of the infection that went unchecked for over 30 days after major surgery yeah eats away all his cartilage in his knee so anyway greg and i would uh would do high school football on the radio right not just on the pa like taco made by blah 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 um So, uh, Greg would, in every game, Greg would try to get the word pandemonium into the broadcast at some point. Oh, my God. I would start laughing. But uh, we used to have the best time doing high school sports, hockey, basketball. I mean, we didn't do, I didn't do basketball, hockey, football. Were the major sports that, that I did. And uh, 
so it was uh it was fun to do it with him uh and and you know you got to participate in all kinds of very very cool uh very very cool things uh in communities you know in in uh the midwest one of the cool things that they had um uh, in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, was the two local teams, right, the rivals in the city. Uh, the old school in the city is called Grand Forks Central. And um, and then the, the school, the new school on the south end of town, uh, where the city uh, could grow, Um They played in a football game. It was called the Cushman Classic, and it's named after. So you know, you know, you get there and you're you know new to the city, and uh, and so uh, you're going to this thing they call the Cushman Classic, and um, and then you're like, well. You know, who, like why the Cushman Classic? And who who is this Cushman guy? Uh, Cliff Cushman was born on June 2nd, 1938, and he died on September 25th of 1966 uh, in Vietnam. Um, he was from uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, where I was living. And he uh, went to Grand Forks Central High School, graduating in 1956. Um, he set... In, in uh, a huge number of records uh, for track and field. In 1990, he was inducted into the uh, High School Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, he, has a, uh, he has a record in the hurdles that still stands to this day. Um, he competed for the United States in the 1960 summer olympics that were held in rome uh he went to kansas university university of kansas uh, and then joined the united states air force um he was flying uh an f-105 delta in a flight of three conducting a combat mission in vietnam when he was shot down What Cliff Cushman is known for is a letter he wrote. Um, and um, it's a letter that I want to say that in the, um, in the, uh, he falls either qualifying for the Olympics one year or in the Olympics. And he writes this letter to the young people of his community saying, you know, um, don't feel sorry for me, you know, and then so he's just, uh, you have a chance to, so again, you, you get to participate in things like that where the whole community turns out to honor him on an annual basis. Uh, so very cool stuff. Uh, in smaller communities around the, the region, you would, you know, they, uh, in northwest Minnesota, the schools are smaller, they play eight-man football. And, you know, you have a small set of bleachers and the field gets ringed by pickup trucks. You know, grandma and grandpa, you know, different people sitting in their trucks watching the game, honking their horns. Uh, and it's, you know, life in small town America. And let me tell you, the best food you'll ever have 
at a sporting event uh, at uh, at those games, and you get just get to meet all these wonderful salt of the earth people. You know, in rural Minnesota, they practice at six o'clock in the morning because after after school, you know, uh, most of the boys, I mean, they're working on farms. So it's I mean, it's completely you know world that I never knew about growing up. So anyway. High school sports afforded me the opportunity to to do a lot of learning. I wanted to talk um, um, Chris Woodbridge from the Marine Corps Gazette going to join us here in a few minutes. Um, And I got sidetracked. But what I wanted to talk about real quick, and maybe I'll save it for tomorrow, is consider the absurdity of this. That a communist nation, and Grant Newsom was on yesterday, and our conversation is still ringing in my ears. It got blasted off the the live off the uh, off off the uh, air because of a a scheduled maintenance out, outage in my neighborhood, which has been going. They've been going on for the past month as they replaced transformers in the in the area. Uh, I did not open the envelope, so I did not know that it was going to happen. Uh, that's so stupid me. But anyway, we finished the interview. I, um, you should listen to it because the Biden administration is getting challenged in the South, Ch- South China Sea. It looks like a challenge to the Philippines right now. But make no mistake about it. The Chinese are poking straight through the Philippines at the United States and our allies. 200 Chinese militia boats swarming another atoll in the South China Sea. Well, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to start beginning development of another of another uh, fortress island inside, you know, the Philippines' economic exclusion zone. And what what answer does the Biden administration have for that? So they they got the Biden administration challenged in Alaska, and Grant says, you know, in his opinion, that that whole Alaska thing, you know, was was a clown show. Why you would give the Chinese a form to do what they were going to to do what they did is is you know is is amazing. Think about that. And so, um, and so, but again, think about this: the absurdity of this idea that if you're the Chinese plotting grand strategy, we will get the Western world, chief, chiefly the Americans. To finance our expansion as we develop as a nation. Their greed will bring us their money. We will use their social media, right? The United States, the most economically advanced, the most culturally diverse country on the planet. Bar none, period. Think about it. Who would be close? The United Kingdom, hmm? France, and they're not even close. They would use our social media institutions to convince the melting pot of the world that it's 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 a racist, fundamentally a racist uh, nation. It would use its money to influence universities. Right to influence universities to eliminate anti-Chinese rhetoric, right? 
And I, when I say universities, I mean the leading universities in the nation. Stanford, Harvard. It would also use its, its financial clout to tilt Hollywood and what the world sees vis-a-vis China. So we will use their institutions against them. We, who are, quote-unquote, re-educating Uyghurs in concentration camps, we who've taken over Hong Kong in spite of the treaty that we signed that said we wouldn't do that, we who repress, we who have social media scores, we who track people like no others and suppress human rights, we will convince them that they are the most, I mean, think about that. Think of the absurdity of that. So I want to talk about that. But I have to get the program going. So Chris Woodbridge is going to join us in a few minutes. The United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. But consider that, right? And, and, and what happened in Alaska was an absolutely choreographed event for the Chinese. We will throw the Americans right under the bus on live TV and we will dare them to say anything about us. And we didn't. And as I told Grant, one of the things I learned as a politician for a very, very brief period of time in my life is if somebody accuses you of something in public and you don't answer in public with a greater response, you're guilty. You'll wear that forever. And that's what Mr. Blinken did. He didn't answer. Right? No one you can't do that. You can't do that. So, uh, interesting. We'll talk about that. But that, you know, I mean, think about the absurdity of that. We will use their free institutions to destroy them as a nation. So, on that note, on that note, good morning. The United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. <laughs> Cliff Cushman, uh, a great example for young Americans, uh, still is today. Uh, they read his letter at that football game uh, before the game. And, uh, you know, it's young men and women like him that went off and served their country. Cliff Cushman's life goal was not to be buried in a national cemetery uh, as a young man. But uh, he, in fact, was. So uh, it's dedicated to him. 
and uh, and that we are worthy of his sacrifice. That we are worthy of his sacrifice as stewards of this of this nation that we all live in. <laughs> Betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think, and you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. I'm very confident that, thank you very much. If this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. We'll check the weather. See what's going on. And then Chris Woodbridge will join us. Currently, it is, whoa, getting warm in Northern Virginia. Sunny and 60 in Quantico, down the coast, mostly sunny and 70 at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune. 29 Palms. Yeah, summer's approaching. Sunny and 64 already out there. Camp Pendleton, cloudy and 57. Camp Smith in Hawaii is dark cloudy in 72. Okinawa, foggy, dark in 71. Darwin, warmed up there a little bit. Dark cloudy, 79. And in Norway, whoa. Mostly sunny in 61. 
Yeah, I've never seen it that warm in Norway since we put them on the map. Um, currently, in the coast of Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California, it is mostly cloudy and 56. It, it says looking for a high of 67 today. With partly cloudy skies, 83 tomorrow, 83 Thursday, 73 on Friday, 70 on Saturday. That is a look at your weather. And uh, we'll see if we can get uh, Chris Woodbridge on the phone right now. Joining me from someplace in, uh, I think, in Northern Virginia is Chris Woodbridge. Woody, how are you? Hey, Matt. How are you? Well, uh, I'm all right. You 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 skipped right over my question. You've uh, you've been a little bit under the weather. I understand. Isn't that just how we do it. <laughs> it's, uh, that is a modern way to do it. Actually, that's how politicians do it, right? Skip over what you don't want to answer and go to something else. Yeah, exactly. Stay on message. Exactly. Um, so, well, thanks. I'm uh, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, still not 100, percent but uh, but uh, but feeling a lot better. All right. Now you you dealt. I mean. Do you mind if we talk about that? And, and no, no, not at all, not at all. So you, uh, you, you got COVID, yes? Yep, that's right. Um, I got. Uh, I, I actually tested positive for it and started treatment uh, a week ago yesterday. Um, and I, I felt, uh, I felt like something was coming on for you know about three or four days prior to that. Um, and there's a. A couple other folks that uh, that I work with who've uh, who've tested positive as well. So uh, it didn't it didn't start uh, in you know in the association, but uh, uh, it definitely came in through uh, through a couple of us and um, uh, was was very fortunate that uh, you know right after I got tested, uh, I was able to get uh, to get treated, uh, which uh, a lot of people don't uh, don't necessarily know about. Uh, that there are uh, there are treatments out there uh, for this thing now, uh, although it doesn't get a lot of uh, doesn't get a lot of media attention. But there are some uh, um, drugs that have gotten you know therapeutic drugs that have gotten emergency use authorization uh, as part of the overall um, uh, you know, operation warp speed uh, you know super super fast development and and fielding of everything from uh, from vaccines to uh, therapeutic treatment for people who've already got the the, the virus, and uh, uh, really pretty uh, pretty interesting, and uh, uh, definitely you know I, I personally have nothing to compare it to because um, I don't know you know what it what it's like to to not get these, but uh, they definitely sped up the uh, the recovery time, and you know and I haven't gotten any of the um, you know serious uh, complications. Uh, that go along with this thing, the pneumonia and, and uh, 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 blood clots and other problems that are, that are really, uh, you know, uh, having such devastating effect on people. Um, so this, uh, this, this treatment that's out there, um, you know, I would encourage anybody that, uh, uh, that tests positive to uh, immediately ask about that and see if they can, uh, if they can get treated with one of these, um, they're called, uh, monoclonal antibody treatments uh and uh it definitely seems to have made a difference uh, for me 
Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so how do you, so how is this impacted? I mean, you know, people say it starts with something in your uh, respiratory tract and, and you start feeling it there. And and from there, you know, the symptoms tend to vary. How did it impact you after after the initial symptom? Yeah, the initial. Uh, I, mean, you know, I, I kind of lost my voice. My voice is still a little bit. Uh, yeah, you can uh, hear it off off uh, off center right now. Um, uh, you know, sense of smell, sense of taste are definitely affected. Um, not not that different from any other sort of. Uh, sinus infection or, or head cold. And right. actually when this first started, you know, it being, uh, it being sort of an early spring here in, uh, in Northern Virginia, I actually thought it was, uh, you know, just pollen irritation and, uh, you know, kind of the usual, uh, early spring hay fever, but, um, uh, definitely much worse as far as like, uh, fever, chills, body aches, and basically being, you know, kind of combat ineffective for a couple of days. Only a couple of days? And would you attribute that to the treatments you started taking? I, I, I think so. Again, I've, I've got nothing to compare it to. Right. Know, and we don't want to hold you out as, we don't want to hold you out as a medical professional no, or no. Uh, anything that you clearly are not. Um, no, so I mean, I, I practice medicine without a license for decades now. <laughs> I hate to get nailed for it now. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> After all these years of successfully eluding any lawsuits, um, the um, well, I'll tell you what—it's good to hear. You can still hear it in your voice, obviously, a little bit. But uh, but thank you, uh, thank you very much for doing. It. How about sense of smell, sense of taste? Yeah, a little bit more uh, more smell than uh, than taste. Uh, you know, lost appetite for a while, but uh, you know, nothing nothing drastic. Really, the worst the worst symptom of all is just the. Uh, Kind of overall, you know, flu-like uh, body aches and headache and tiredness and uh, uh, just you know just really feeling under the weather, um, you know, to the point where all you all you really want to do is uh, is sleep. And uh, that that actually was some of the best uh, you know best treatment for it is you know is just getting as much uh, as much rest and sleep and fluids as possible. So I mean, it's it's definitely. Uh, on the one hand, it's, uh, you know, it's serious and it, and it, it's easy to see, I think, how, uh, you know, if you let this go and, and you have any uh, underlying health problems uh, or you just sort of uh, ignore it and try to push through, uh, you could really get yourself sick uh, seriously, uh, you know, life, obviously life-threateningly ill. Um, but at the same time, it's... Woody, you know that is the way we do it, though. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, exactly. Is, what do you do when you feel bad? I run more and I sweat. sweat I it sweat out. it out, right? Sweat it out. <laughs> I don't, right? I mean, we're, we're laughing about that, but we shouldn't be, right? Because that is, in fact, how we yo-yos navigate our health. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, I think one of the, uh, you know, one of the positive things in the uh, is you know you you don't want to be spreading this to anybody else so uh you know following the uh, uh guidelines on you know sort of self-isolation and and uh you know staying staying home from work not exposing other people to it um also kind of helps you to enforce that that rest and and uh, uh recovery thing you know again if you're if you're in lockdown and you're supposed to be in lockdown uh, 
uh, you know, on restriction, as I put it, then, uh, then, you know, you, you have kind of no, uh, no options, but to get the rest that you should be getting, uh, you know, again, while staying away from people who, uh, uh, you know, who, who might be getting it. Luckily, my, you know, my wife's already been, uh, been vaccinated. So, you know, she's safe, uh, uh, any older, older relatives in the area, they've already been vaccinated. So I'm vaccinated. Uh, I'm vaccinated. Well, I, I wouldn't want you to get a computer virus listening to me. No, no, they, um, uh, no, it's like high priority individuals across the country, right? When they rolled it out, they uh, selected some, and I was fortunate to be part of that, um, aristocracy of the, Amer- of, of America. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Or the VA called me and said you're old and you should come in. One of the two. I'm not really sure. I choose to think it was my aristocratic nature, but others would scoff at that. Um, um, Sometimes the simplest answer is the right answer. <laughs> the um, let's talk some current events. Um, let's see. Yeah, fraught with danger. Current events. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> I'm going to give you two data points and give me your opinion. Uh, the Chinese wire brushes on TV to the world uh, up in Alaska for 22 minutes. Uh, the response is moderately weak need. Um, and, uh, and then now we see uh, over 200 Chinese militia ships swarming a Filipino atoll. Now we've seen this dance before. And my own opinion is the Biden administration, that finger poking at the Filipinos is poking straight through the Filipinos to the president of the United States, right? You and your Freedom of Navigation Acts and your allies, what are you going to do about this? Um, I'm curious about your thoughts. Do you see it in that light? I I agree completely. Uh, This is is another... um, so, so the simple fact is that uh, you know, new new sheriff in town, new administration, new uh, 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 leadership is is going to be tested, uh, and those tests are different uh, depending on who's administering the test. Uh, you know, some of them we're very very familiar with. You can pretty much count on uh, the uh, the DPRK on North Korea to uh to fire off some some missiles right um they're just they're gonna do it uh and they're going to play that uh to their own people uh in their own propaganda machine as uh you know once again uh the workers uh the 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 leadership of the workers paradise is uh is uh, uh pushing back on the american imperialists um and that you can you can count on that and that that occurred um we've come to now a situation where you can count on uh the PRC uh pushing the edge of the you know the gray zone uh, envelope as far as international law and and maritime behavior goes um and and you're absolutely right it it might be occurring in a uh, uh you know piece of real estate uh that the philippines claims uh but uh, it's it's directed at at the, the new administration in in Washington, and it and it is as you put it, I think accurately put it, a what are you going to do about it? Um, and you know we have yet to see what that answer actually is. Got it, got it. No, it's interesting. Um, here's an email question for you. 
Mac, I'm curious what Woody has to say about the way the Marine Corps has rolled out its most recent investigation, appearing to be late on a Friday afternoon, as well as its lack of response to the Twitter event that dominated a week's worth of news cycle out of Tuma. Is this the Marine Corps of the future? We used to stand up and be accountable in public. It seems like we're shrinking from that. Now, what do you find yourself, and I don't like to bring you on and make you the institution Marine Corps because you are not. <laughs> okay, but I, on occasion, I'd love to make you, make you that and beat you about the head and shoulders. Um, and you are you sit in a in a precarious position. You are the steward of, of, of one of the instruments that debates the Marine Corps. Right, the debates, the senior, the decisions of the senior leadership of the Marine Corps. Um, there was a day, um, and I'll and I'll and I'll throw one more event that Jeff Kenny throws at me all the time, which is General Neller, with no response really, uh, to Senator Gillibrand when she said during the Marines United, which would ultimately, uh, let's see, identify less than a hundred Marines on active duty. And less than 20 would receive any form of what we would call substantial discipline in a force of 250,000 people. When she says to General Neller, um, Commandant Neller, isn't it true this is one of the worst days in Marine Corps history? He doesn't respond to that in kind to say, you know, what, what I would say Marine Corps leaders have in the past done which is turn that into a commercial for the Marine Corps by saying, Senator, clearly I'm not proud of why I'm sitting here today. And, I, and, and I'm sure, I can't remember, General, whoever was a commandant when the uh, cover of Time magazine had a Marine with a black eye on it, sat here and answered similar questions, was not proud. Right? But I can tell you that there was days, uh, right, October 23rd, 1983 comes to mind when the building was destroyed in Beirut, uh, the landing on Iwo Jima, right? The events at Quezon, uh, the fight on Okinawa, the a lagoon in Tarawa, right? They were all, as I would say, and a reservoir in, in North Korea called the Chosin. There were much, much darker days in our, in our history. But all your Marine Corps is asking you, and I who lead it, is a chance to fix this, and we will fix this. Because we are conscious that Americans need to be proud of their Marine Corps, and I assure you they will be, right? I mean, that's to me, that's the way in history that stuff has been done. Um, so I would link the data point. So, so rather than somebody coming out, be it TUMEF or, or Marine Corps, saying, look, on behalf of the United States Marine Corps, I want to apologize to, and this is Tucker Carlson, but it could be any journalist, right? And to every individual that that Twitter account engaged with. That is not why we do that. Those accounts are designed to disseminate information, not get into the criticism of journalists in this country or civilians in this country. And we know that every American has a right to criticize the United States Marine Corps. We take that criticism seriously, and it's our job on a daily basis to live up to the word Semper Fidelis, and we intend to do that. So I hope Mr. Carlson accepts my apology. The people that were engaged by the the individuals engaged by that Twitter account will accept my apology, right? And I bid you a good day. We will fix this out. You know, I mean, it doesn't seem like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that? Um, I think uh, the 
what we're what we're seeing is a uh, result of um, the Marine Corps still. I, I agree with everything you've said. I think the problem stems from the Marine Corps continuing to um, really not understand uh, the power of social media and the the need for coherent service level communication strategies that use social media, traditional media, and other outlets as their means of delivery. Um, I think that 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 functional area within in the Marine Corps is is still very caught in a um, what I'll call a traditional media, traditional journalism respond to query model, um, which means being reactive um, and uh, not fully understanding the uh, and and again at a it at a generational level. Um, Senior Marine Corps, older Marine Corps leadership is by definition more mature, older, and not as comfortable and not as uh, familiar and and inured to um, the impact of smart devices and social media. Um, and the fact of the matter is, there's a tendency that I've seen to default activity in that area to younger, less mature Marines who are actually or by perception seen as more comfortable and more adept at using uh, uh, the media, the social media in particular, that they've grown up with. Um, again, enabled by uh, smart device technology, the internet, etc. And and the fleet, the, the plethora of platforms uh, being used out there, each of which becomes smaller and uh, uh, less content centric. Um, you know, going going from uh, you know 140 character uh, 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 tweet to a 10 second uh, video with you know one sentence of sound. Um, it it's becoming less and less rigorous and more and more emotional and visceral vice, uh, uh, intellectually content-based. Um, and so going down that road, I think in a lot of cases, those who are responsible for uh, Marine Corps messaging tend to default to uh, the advice and the activity of younger, less mature Marines um, without really putting the rumble strips out there for them. Um uh, when left to their own devices, that results in something like you saw in Marines United. When there's sort of a um, uh, uh, and, and a suboptimal effort to bring those younger uh, 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 social media active Marines into the fold um, and to uh, essentially employ them as an, uh, as an outlet uh, into those newer media, uh, without those rumble strips, they will naturally participate in the divisive behavior, the, the uh, divisive uh, dialogue or, or lack of dialogue that's going on right now. Um, uh, you know, the, the, that to me is the root of the problem is the service 
has not caught up with this yet. Uh, despite the fact that it's been around for some time, despite the fact that it has, uh, uh, you know, bitten us uh, in a variety of ways a number of times, uh, we still haven't quite cracked the code on it. Um, and, and what it really requires is the, the message you just laid out, uh, I think, is, is, you know, one of the most positive, uh, uh, if you are in a reactive mode, one of the most positive reactions to these sorts of, of, of events. Um, uh, but, but that needs to be a universally understood and delivered drumbeat, regardless of who the outlet, who the spokesman, who the, uh, 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 the, the poster, uh, uh, tweeter, et cetera is. And so, uh, that's, that's where I think we're, we're running afoul is, um, you know, not, not enough uh, understanding, not enough forward look at being proactive in that space, uh, and not enough uh, uh, unambiguous guidance for those who are actually executing things. I remember a scenario, and, and Will, Will, <clears throat> Will Costantini reminded me of it, when uh, Sarah Lister uh, Assistant Army Secretary for Manpower and Reserve Affairs said that Marines, this is kind of interesting because Marines mm-hmm. were extremists. Yes. At risk of total disconnection from society, right? She said this in the, in the, in the 90s. In the 90s. Remember it right, well. Right? Remember it well. It let, me, so let me popular. read this. Let, let it, read was, this. it became so popular, it found its way onto t shirts and bumper <laughs> stickers, right? Uh, uh, you know, sold by Marine Corps Community Services. <laughs> right, uh, right. That Marines are cons- uh, that are extremists. Uh, wherever you have extremists, <clears throat> you've got risks for total, of total disconnection with society. And that's a little dangerous. I think the Army is much more connected to society than Marines are. The Marine Corps is, Absolutely. you know, they have these checkerboard fancy uniforms and stuff. But the Army is so, sort of muddy boots on the ground. Um, <laughs> well, I think it, it's a – I agree with you completely. It's an institutional culture, right. um, an organizational culture and heritage uh, factor. Uh, the Army's institutional culture and heritage – still go back to World War II when everyone was in the army. Right. I mean, the entire country was, was for all intents and purposes, in the army now. Uh, hell, there were songs about it. And, and that was uh, certainly necessary for mobilization of the nation in time of total war, which is what the Second World War was. That's never been the Marine Corps' culture. Right. The Marine Corps culture has always been uh, the few, the proud, most ready when the nation's least ready, elite, separate, different from. Um, and because of that, yes, that is a very, very uh, uh, you know, perceived by many as uh, an extremist culture disconnected from the society as a whole. The um, and General Krulak turns that around on her, right? And in in his statement, he said it would it would dishonor the hundreds of thousands of Marines whose blood has been shed in the name of freedom. Citizens from all walks of life have donned the Marine Corps uniform and gone to war to defend this nation, never to return. Honor, courage, and commitment are not extreme. Okay, and then he said yes. he says earlier, 
I agree that the muddy boots nature of the United States Army and the United States Marine Corps is proud to have served next to them, have fallen next to them, wearing those same muddy boots and battlefields all over the world. And then he says, right, and then he goes down the list, right? We are extreme. We are extremely fit. We are extremely devoted to our country, right? And all of a sudden, he's turned this, you know, this negative thing into a commercial, right? That yes. then gets spawned by T-shirts. But we seem to have, and we've always seemed to be able to do that, right? We've always seemed to be able to do that. And, and, and these things are now one another one popping out of my head, right? In the aftermath of the bombing in, in, in Beirut, General, <coughs> Kelly, General Kelly goes to Germany. I met the guy who was laying in the bed when he, and he tells me the story. Everybody in the hospital is an Air Force guy. Now these Marines start coming in from Beirut. And so he can't see, right? And um, they tell him that the Commandant of the Marine Corps is in the building. But he thinks they're bullshitting him, right? They're just screwing with him. So when General Kelly comes in the room, right, he, <clears throat> he, he, he motions with his fingers, like rubbing them together, I want to feel your rank, right? And so General Kelly leans down. And he feels the four stars. And then he gets a tablet. He motions with his hand. I want to write something. And he writes Semper Fidelis. Right? And so these stories out of these bad things, you know, are to me it's so, mar- so much for history. But it, it seems like we've, we've lost it. And again, I, I don't know if posting the investigation into the AV accident uh, on uh, on late Friday, you know, Eastern time, is that's a coincidence? Because I know the investigation's been done for a while, but that's how we do things now as a Marine Corps, and it just it leaves me scratching my head because in these opportunities we stand up and make statements of ourselves as Marines. We are not afraid of this. We know we have we've fallen down. We will unscrew ourselves. We will unscrew ourselves. We will get to the bottom of this, and we will fix this. We are United States Marine. I mean, it's all of that, Woody. And I, I don't know. I just find it a little bit disturbing that we seem not – that's not a part of our culture anymore. And so I don't know. Anyway, I wouldn't put too much – and, again, this is just you know sort of a little northern, northern Virginia national capital region in, inside baseball. Right. I wouldn't put too much or read too much into the timing – um, but I agree with you as far as the overall tenor of the call it the rollout, if you will. Right. Uh, again, and when it's very- ba- let me tell you, and Woody, we both know when it's not going to be good, we know it's not going to be pleasant. And the only deck to, to play left in the card is we're Marines. We will take this thing straight in the face, and we will unscrew ourselves. You know, I don't know, but again, I don't. I'm not seeing too much of that. And the same thing with the whole the whole extremist thing. Does anybody believe that it's going to be anything other than a, a Marines United event? That out of a force of 250,000 people, we're going to find less than 100 cuckoos, which have always been here. The difference now is that we could trace them on a Twitter account, right? And we're going right. to find them. They've always been. They Those kind of goofballs have always been around. But now, you know, but again, I don't know that's, that. That's exactly right. And I mean, you know, from from decades, decades, um, you know, we have uh, uh, policies in place 
uh, and we have rooted out uh, gang activity. We have rooted out hate group activity. Uh, and to me, this is exactly the same thing. And, and you know, it never, it never produced some, uh, uh, you know, legion of, uh, of shadow, shadow warrior Marines that were somehow uh, 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 more loyal to something external than they are to their, you know, to their ethos as Marines. And, it, and, let, me t- and let me tell you, a fringe. and let me tell you why that 13, that 13 weeks of ass pain is too big of an ass to simply go to someplace and infiltrate it. Right. Like, Hey, we really right. want you to get in there. And we're trying to infiltrate. Uh, so how long is it? Now, I gotta- now the fact <laughs> is the apple doesn't rot far from the tree. So, uh, as, as we've talked about before, there are a lot of Marines who bring some really, really toxic baggage in with them. Uh, and the 13 weeks of boot camp, or for that matter, six months of basic school, doesn't necessarily uh, uh, remove uh, that baggage from them. Uh, but again, that's a that's a a fringe, a really small fringe, an unacceptable number, no matter what it is. And and leadership does need to root that out. Um, but uh, you know, it, again, it's it's not some uh, uh, enormous groundswell. Right. But again, I don't see a lot of that narrative. And again, what, uh, you know, we talk about the political, the politicization of the military. I don't know that I've ever seen it worse than, than it is now, you know, where, you know, it, it appears. And, you know, the president said something I got, the other day that I got a, I got a, it's National Women's Month, Women's History Month. And mm-hmm. so uh, the president said, there's not a thing a man can do that a woman can't do as good as better. Or better, and and so I get a bunch of email about that, and and it goes back to gender integration, blah 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 blah, and so it's this discussion we have, and I mean I mean and I and I just liken it to this. Okay, everybody accepts that we have, you know, um, boys and girls athletics in high school. Everybody accepts that we do that in college. Everybody accepts that that we do that in professional ranks. And what would people say if you said, Hey, look, let's just have one league. And the best people play. You would hear a a cry from far and wide. I'm like, no, you're taking away opportunities. Well, you just violated Title uh, Title Nine. Exactly, like, but why do we need Title Nine? I mean, look, all we're going to do is the best are going to play. And 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 look, if 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 it's all a level playing field, then so be it. Well, but we know it's not a level playing field. The only time, I mean, we're asked to accept that, right? In the world of combat arms. And we're supposed to nod our head. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I believe that. Right? When when we have this separation for a very good reason. Because women would not get opportunities if there was one team. If we integrated the softball team with the baseball team, the softball team would go away. There would be the occasional unicorn on the baseball team, but that would be it. Yet yet we're asked to believe this in the world of combat. And 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 so to me. And I'll loop this back to these other things. This lack of a vibrant discussion in which you don't fear for your, your life professionally. And I would point out Chris Tabuchis's article in yours where he specifically takes on force design, right, mm-hmm. and calls it a bad. We haven't seen so much of that, you know. And, and again, so to me, I, I mean, this, this vibrant intellectual environment that you are the steward of, Woody, I saw you are responsible for this, okay, just for the record, <laughs> right? Um, 
No, it's just I, I watch these things and uh, a little bit concerning to me. A little bit concerning to me. So anyway, um, I'll leave that as my own editorial comment, and you don't have to comment on it. <laughs> um, let's talk about this month's The Gazette. Does it have a theme? So your uh, your March edition is the annual uh, logistics edition of the Gazette. Uh, it's, uh, it covers covers the entire uh, spectrum, really, of the logistics functional area, including um, uh, an awful lot on um, uh, what I'll call future logistics or uh, uh, emergent logistics, logistics to support. Uh, our emergent concepts, uh, expeditionary advanced base operations, et cetera, um, and force design 2030. So the logistics side of um, optimizing Marine Corps for for that type of uh, uh, distributed uh, uh, peer, near-peer uh, uh, fight in, uh, in a, a maritime campaign in congested battle space. Um, it also talks to the uh, uh, the installations side uh, of of logistics as a uh, really as the uh, uh, the platform for deployments uh, and what our uh, what our installations uh, provide in terms of warfighting uh, enabler capability. Um, so uh, you know we do this we do this every year, and I'll tell you that the uh, the support not just from uh, the deputy commandant for for INL and and his staff. Up at headquarters, but uh, from from logisticians across the the fleet, across the operating forces, and the schoolhouses, uh, every year this is this is one of those editions uh, uh, or magazine editions where uh, you've got you've got really more content than you got pages available in the magazine, uh, and uh, it's some people might say it's a little bit unbalanced, but uh, but there's an awful lot of great thinking and some great, uh, great arguments, great writing going on, uh, out there throughout that, uh, that broad community of, uh, of marine logisticians. Got it. Give me a couple articles to, uh, are we going to talk about both March and April since I got you on kind of a straddle, uh, <coughs> week, week? sure we can, as long as I'm, uh, as long as, as you're I'm, physically up to it, as long as I'm holding on. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, look, I expect you to expire live on the radio, just so you know. I mean, it will be a – I'll even eulogize you. Like, oh, there he went. Let me tell you, let, let me tell you about Chris Woodbridge, right? No, but it doesn't come to that. Uh, <laughs> there you go. The, um, it's not down that far. Um, so, uh, give, me, uh, give me a couple things to read. In so from, uh, uh, from the March edition, uh, you know, within that – uh, uh, logistics and sustainment focus area. Um, you know, I'll, I'll highlight a couple of different things. There's, uh, you know, a couple of articles from uh, uh, General Chirati's staff up at Installations and Logistics um, that look at um, sustaining the force in the future, the 21st century force, and and how. Uh, the logistics enterprise in the Marine Corps is keeping up with that. Um, but uh, one highlight in particular was actually not authored by the Marines of INL. Uh, it was offer- authored by Marines from PPO, from Plans, Policies, and Operations, because that's the part of headquarters that runs uh, all of our expeditionary capabilities to include the prepositioning force. And so you'll find an article in there transforming the maritime prepositioning force by uh, 
uh, a combined group of officers from both PPO and INL, uh, since they share responsibility for that um, truly uh, service-defining operational logistics capability. Uh, the simple fact is the Marine Corps uh, uh, can only do what it does in certain crisis and contingency operations because of the capabilities built into that maritime prepositioning force. And so transforming, optimizing that force um, for the future fight for this peer, uh, peer adversary uh, uh, distributed maritime fight uh, is uh, a critical enabler and, a, and really a long pole in the tent towards actually having the, uh, the combat capabilities that we require in the future. So I, I definitely recommend, uh, recommend that one. Um, you've got a couple of different articles that, that sort of look at the same uh, uh, functional areas within logistics and sustainment, but from different ways. Um, you've got uh, an article uh, titled Rail Assured Movement, which, which looks at a very traditional means of distribution, uh, that being uh, 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 rail, rail transportation, uh, and how that is employed uh, by the Marine Corps and the Joint Force to sustain uh, uh, forces uh, on land. Um, and then you have a, uh, uh, a similar article, similar functional area, distribution, getting, getting supplies to the Marines that need them. Um, but this one looks at using unmanned aerial systems for them. So you've got UAS by, uh, by Colonel Brian Mullery, again, looking at that problem of, of tactical distribution, but looking at a very untraditional means for, uh, uh, for doing that function, for accomplishing that, that resupply. Uh, so again, two, two sides of the same, uh, same functional area there. There's a number of articles that look at uh, logistics as a, uh, and marine logistics, maritime logistics in particular, as part of a, a joint fight. Uh, you know, how the joint team uh, actually uh, conducts logistics and sustainment for the joint force as a whole and why that's even more important when we look at uh, naval maritime campaigns. So uh, I'd, uh, I'd highlight Joint Force Maritime Logistics by Major George Orban, uh, and then uh, uh, One Team, One Fight by uh, Mr. Joe Bishop, um, also about very similar, similar topics of uh, 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 leveraging all the capabilities in the Joint Force to sustain uh, Marines in a, in a distributed maritime fight. I have heard... That that is the greatest, uh, well, not, that is a still unresolved uh, piece of all of this is how do you sustain it if you're going to operate inside the WEZ? And then you're, Correct. You're going to be a stand-in force. How, how do you sustain it? Where the hell does it come from? Who gets it there? You know, what kind, yes. of, what kind of larger ship resupplies multiple other platforms and how the hell do you do that? And so, well, I, man, you get back to the, uh, you know, the, the real crux of the issue is that if if large, uh, uh, you know, large aircraft, large ships are essentially self-optimized targets inside that weapons engagement zone, uh, how do you take that target away but still do the function of of uh, sustaining uh, distributed marine forces? And, you know, that's. That's everything from, you know, uh, uh, beans, bullets, bandages, and bad guys uh, at the tactical level to uh, combat replacements, to the, the casualty evacuation chain, 
uh, uh, all of that becomes more difficult in that environment. And so it's, uh, it, it is indeed uh, ripe and open for an awful lot of creative and innovative thinking. And, uh, and the good news is that's going on now, again, not just within INL, within the, the logistics establishment of headquarters, but across the force. Um, and it, it touches everything down to and including um, uh, what, what, what I'll call, you know, foraging, 21st century foraging and how Marine forces can uh, essentially, and, and this is not, uh, you know, we're, we're not talking about uh, uh, 18th century Rogers Rangers living off the land, but uh, what sort of capabilities does a distributed Marine force need to have in terms of contracting, host nation, uh, liaison, in order to live in somebody else's backyard? Uh, for for protect, protracted periods of time, um, so so good article there. Uh, how to do logistics in EABO by uh, Captain Paul Pianacacci. Uh, if I pronounced that correctly, yeah, that was a mouthful. And uh, uh, there's 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 just an awful lot to this, and and you're right, it is in a lot of ways the big question uh, regarding distributed operations and and EABO. Uh, is uh, is how do you how do you sustain this force? Because historically, we know very clearly what wrong looks like. What wrong looks like what occurred uh, at Wake Island in World War II. So when you can no longer uh, not even sustain a force, but you can't even uh, retrograde a force, um, which is you know a movement control issue, a, a tactical movement piece. So so lots in uh, lots in the March edition on that, um, and then. Uh, uh, a few other a few other articles outside the subject area, um, and I'll uh, I'll point out we've also got an article in uh, in March uh, by Rear Admiral Todd, uh, chaplain of the Marine Corps, on spiritual fitness. Um, I uh, encourage uh, I encourage every Marine to read that. This is a a good look at uh, at religious ministry and the religious personnel, chaplains and RPs, religious program specialists, and uh, it looks at it through the lens of uh, how how their role is really to uh, provide Marines uh, the you know the the spiritual the resilience workouts that they need uh, in order to sustain themselves in uh, in adversity uh, and so it's a very 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 good article there very well written by uh, by our senior most chaplain in the Marine Corps. Yeah, no, I'm hugely sympathetic as a. Um... As you know, I, I just I just foiled some information from Second Mall, and uh, last year I went. And, you know, um, things I'm very proud of relative to post-traumatic winning um, is, uh, you know, in 2019 I did it with you know 18,000 Marines and Sailors, Second Marine Division suicide attempts down 47 percent in the division that year. You know, and again, I, like unheard of numbers, right? Uh, last year I spoke at. Uh, at Cherry Point and New River, suicide attempts they're down sixty-two percent, and um, and the role of chaplains in all of this, you know, is not insignificant. You know uh, that that and again the responsibility of chaplains to be out there, to be amongst them, to be approachable, you know, is 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 absolutely critical. And, uh, and having their hand out, being relatable. And uh, as somebody that young people who are struggling um, 
And most of these young people don't have mental health issues. I mean, they're, I mean, but they're getting their asses kicked by life. And I will tell you that, uh, you know, some great epiphanies I've had and now in the third year going around and, and talking around the country is, um, is that, um, the amount of child abuse and sexual violence that comes into the, the male side of the Marine Corps. Um, and, and we all know about the female side is worse than the male side, but we don't tend to talk about the male side. And I mean, and, and they're, they don't have mental health issues. They've gotten their asses kicked by life. And that's much of the Marine Corps and that's much of the Marine Corps. And so, um, so the role of chaplain and all that is, uh, is, is a significant role in that in just promoting the open discussion, uh, promoting, uh, come and speak to me, you know? And, and again, I think so what such an important thing to say to them is there's nothing wrong with you. You can't live through this stuff that we've gone through, uh, and not because we've always been a, a refuge for, you know, kids who've grown up tough, right? And it's all, especially in the Marine Corps. And so uh, the chaplain's role of having a discussion, right, having his, his or her handout uh, and uh, and being there constantly is a big part of it. And so, uh, so wow. Well, okay. All right. So let's. And I'll throw, uh, I'll throw this out to you, Matt, before I talk uh, about the, uh, the April edition and all, but uh, some coming attraction here. Um, in September, uh, I'm going to be doing a, uh, a focus area uh, within the magazine on uh, suicide awareness and prevention. Um, we've had a number of. Uh, can I, of cont- can I contribute? I, that, that's my point in telling you. So if you can, uh, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to get a, uh, get an article from you. Sure. Um, uh, can be, uh, you know, your, uh, your, cho- your choice as far as length, you know, nothing, uh, nothing, uh, too long, uh, 1500, 2000 words. What? You can, uh, put something together by, uh, by mid July. I'd love to include that. So you're not looking for uh, war and peace for me. Um, uh, you, no, no. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I, I think. Again, uh, I mean, really, in this discussion, uh, because I don't have an advanced degree, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not welcome in many discussions. And so, so I, what I'd like to do, Woody, is just lead with that data, and you know, the, mm-hmm. that data. Like, okay, look, <clears throat> you might, th- I, I, I don't know that I had took a psychology class in college. Okay, but I, I do know who Maslow is. So I either learned that on Double Jeopardy, watching that, or I learned it in a psychology class. Now, if I was a betting man, I would say I learned it in Jeopardy, okay, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, so I'm not, I don't have an advanced degree. I've spent the vast majority of my life, be it my personal experiences, my three combat deployments, dealing with this issue. For the last five years, I don't know anybody who's interviewed more people, uh, specifically Marines, that have gone uh, through traumatic events and has, has done more analysis, more study on the path that we as a culture follow. And the beautiful thing about what I do, and now civilians have discovered it, Woody, and you should see that shit. And you, mm. know, what the, you know what they love about it? Like, yeah, you guys don't screw around. You know, when you come to alcohol, you say if you struggle with trauma, quit, quit drinking. It, you don't say it as a suggestion like a therapist would. You, and then you say, and if you won't, you're going to put yourself on a path that will destroy your life. And they, so, which is kind of quintessentially Marine, right? And I say, if it's the truth, why would I not tell you that? 
And they look around like, yeah, but most people don't say it like that. I said, I don't really give a shit, okay? I'm, I'm interested in helping you, right? So I'm not really interested in what how you feel about my delivery, okay? Um, but you know what? They like it, and they like just this honest, in-your-face truth. But, but again, the thing that opens the door for me uh, so many places is the data. And somebody looking at a friend and saying, I, you really need to hear this. Have you ever heard me say anything good about mental health? And they look at him and say, no. No, you need to listen to this. I mean, I will get calls from spouses. Look, this is one. Hilarious. Okay. Dude, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're Batman, Santa Claus, or Wonder Woman, or some combination of the three. But my husband will not get off my ass until I call you. Please call me back. <laughs> right? And then I call like, hi, this is Batman, Superman. I'm not, I am not Wonder Woman, though. Right? And then you have this incredible conversation of somebody who was abused as a child, whose husband sat through a presentation who doesn't say good shit about mental health in the Marine Corps because most Marines do not. And I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm just reporting what I know to be true. Okay? Um, they don't like it. And yet he's seen fit to go home and tell the woman he loves, please call him. So I'd be, you know, I'd be more than happy to, and I'm getting ready to, to, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of writing two books, one for children and one for everybody about, about this thing. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm extremely excited about it because I've told you this before. I believe that our culture has an answer for every high school, every, every college, every first responder organization. We have a path that I've been taught by United States Marines, right? Not, and when I think of institutional Marine Corps, right, Headquarters Marine Corps, um, 8th and I, the museum, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Marines, the individuals who've come on my show, who've interviewed, you know, like I, like I talked to you, Woody, and have told me these incredible stories of, of their lives, how they came into the Marine Corps, whether they had been beaten as children, sexually abused as children, joined the Marine Corps, it changed their life, uh, but they struggled. And as Marines, I had, a, I had a sergeant major tell me, I came home from my first deployment to Iraq. My wife, who I met in middle school in the Midwest, she was stripping in San Diego. And she had an, a, a, a restraining order put on me. And, and when I said, so what would you do? He said, Mac, I'm a Marine. What do you think I did? And I was like, uh, uh, uh. And he said, I got drunk for 15 years. <laughs> Right. And, and, and Woody, we've heard these stories, right? We know these people. And, and that how do I deal with all this shit? And then I go back to Iraq and then I come home. And then I go back to a second time. I don't think I'm going to live. So I take out a $6,000 loan the month before I leave. And I take me and my buddy on, buddies on a bender from hell because I don't think I'm going to live. And, but I do and I come back and I continue to get drunk. And so, yeah, I mean, I, Marine Corps, right? Semper Fidelis. You got it. You got it. <laughs> right? And so it's this incredible, um, and it's why I love what I do so much, because it is this incredible, beautiful, relentless culture that we have um, that is so endowed with human spirit. Um, and and it, I call it the fourth path. It is a path from trauma to joy. And, if, in a, and I tell everybody, if these yo-yos can do it, everybody sitting in here today could do it. Right, because they're nothing special other than right 
relentless. If you're relentless about being happy and, and being good, you can do it too. So anyway, my little soapbox. So thank you. Thank you very you much. Know, I, I think this could be a good opportunity to, uh, to get something into, uh, into the magazine in September. So I'll be happy to work with you on that. I'd love to. Uh, not, not hard at all. Um, here's some irony for you. So the, uh, the April edition, yeah. uh, is, uh, is focused on operations in the information environment. Go shit. It's, which includes everything we were talking about at the uh, at the outset of uh, of this uh, this show, right? Uh, and to in fact include Colonel Brian Russell, who was at the that's epicenter, correct, who is the CEO of uh, of Second Mig, right? And uh, yes, and so his, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to talk to him and and see if he'll uh, update his five OIE truths. What is OIE? Operation Operations in the Information Environment. Got it. Got it. Got it. Hold on. We'll hold on while you take care of your your mutt. Yeah, they're, uh, the pack is uh, the pack is on alert for some reason. <laughs> the FedEx guy's here, right? Somebody's <laughs> wa- somebody's walking their dog. Whatever. I know. I know. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah, it could be anything. It could, it could be, be anything. anything. Bird, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, so operations in the information environment. Um, yes. So let me let me let me let me draw a banker on that for a second because it's it's a personal uh, uh, I don't want to call it a pet peeve but you remember when there was command and control I do and then command and control became C four um, and then C four became C four I and yes. that became C four ISR and then C five I and C five ISR T and 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 then cyberspace operations and offensive and defensive cyber cyber exploitation, and then you have you have uh, uh, related uh, functional areas like uh, information warfare or psychological operations or public affairs and combat camera. Well, all of those are now uh, covered under an an umbrella term called OIE or ops in the information environment. And uh, there are some very strange bedfellows in there. Um, And I think if you, uh, if you, uh, if you read the, uh, the April edition, you get a, a really good overview and a good flavor for just how complex and dynamic that, that broad environment really is. Um, And as I said, I I think you also get a, uh, an illustration that the Marine Corps is, is still uh, evolving and adapting and and trying to catch up in some ways with uh, uh, not just the technology but but really sort of the uh, the power of the narrative and the power of information uh, that's that's out there enabled by a lot of these uh, technical commercial means um, and so uh, there's there's a lot a lot to cover you know every every uh, every uh, <laughs> April and every September, we touch uh, we touch different parts of that information environment uh, as a, as a focus area uh, in the magazine, and uh, and this April is no different. Got uh, everything from you know technical signature management and some some very C two communications related content, um, all the way up to. Uh, the you know the value of uh, of strategic messaging and engagement and uh, and proactivity in that in that environment and how to stay ahead of 
uh, messaging. And, and so I think we've evolved to the point now where we're able to, um, I, I hate to put it this way, but we're able to talk a really good game. We don't necessarily apply it that well all the time. Um, and so that, uh, uh, again, there's, there's today's irony for you of, uh, of the April edition on the street and, uh, and these, these sort of subjects being, being right up there. I'll also point out that you've got uh, a variety of other subject areas in April. Um, and, uh, one of those being, uh, the, uh, the update, recent updates, modernization of the UCMJ with regards to computer related offenses. So a good informational article in there for commanders on, uh, sort of the, the new behavioral control, uh, punishment side of, uh, of computer behavior that's, uh, uh, that's available to commanders now. So, uh, so yeah, full, full edition in, in April and, and, uh, an awful lot of focus on, uh, on what we started, uh, started the discussion with. Um, the maneuvers papers have another installment. Yes. Is that, is that yes. a monthly, Continu- is that a monthly edition? Every month. Okay. All right. Yep. Continuing every month. In fact, uh, uh, in, uh, in April, uh, you've got a, uh, um, you know, this is, this is certainly the, uh, um, I think a necessary article because it, it focuses on the, the so what and the value of one of the great academic exercises that every planning team ever goes through. Uh, and that's, you know, trying to determine what centers of gravity and critical vulnerabilities are. <laughs> and, uh, this, this article kind of gets past the, uh, uh, the nomenclature and 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 gets into the real um, uh, value of going through that that little intellectual exercise to uh, to focus on the enemy and the environment. So good, uh, really good article there. The um, and and I still and you know I, uh, to me this is all very interesting stuff because when you um, in in pure fighting, you know the decentralization thing arguably becomes more important because you're not going to have the same communication assets available to you to be, you know, continually on a net uh, without getting yourself killed. And so it would seem maneuver warfare uh, takes on more emphasis, emphasis, uh, yet there's this constant fight, uh, uh, you know, will the strategic corporal launch a, mis- launch a, mi- launch a missile? I mean, nobody I know believes that would be allowed, <laughs> no, right? I mean, does he does he displace the battery on his own, right? But he, she, he or she might send a tweet that uh, uh, yeah, eats my, up the uh, bandwidth of that entire unit for a uh, uh, extended period of time. Right, right. Announcing that Mike Co is really an idiot, right, <laughs> to the to the world. So at least we got that out. Um, the uh, I want to ask you. I, that's kind of a social media question I have you uh, for you um, as you as as you exit stage left here, Woody. Um, command of the Marine Corps, and you've been one on multiple occasions, right? Is fraught with perils now because of social media. Everything that that goes on in your command is subject to scrutiny at a moment's notice of the world. What impact is that? What is what impact? I you know what impact is that, and what impact is the emphasis on uh, command climate surveys have on on the art of command? 
Great question. Interesting question. Two, I think two different questions. Um, you know, c command climate surveys are, uh, uh, are apples. And I think social media is, is, you know, race cars. Um, these are, these are two different things. Uh, command climate surveys are a, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, a, a ubiquitous requirement of, of military command. I well, mean, it and, used to be, we teed that shit up when we were in the Marine Corps, when, when that happened in your unit, they knew that there was something wrong and they were just getting the validation for it before they fired you. That's what the way it used to be. Now well, I think that's I think that's changed significantly. Right, I agree. I agree. It's different. I think not today. unlike not a lot unlike a lot of supply and readiness inspections or CG inspections. Command climate surveys have, have become more of a commander's tool where you essentially uh, initiate them yourself. Uh, in fact, I've, I've done that, uh, in a unit and I've seen it done in other units, um, pretty much as soon as the commander takes over, um, doing a command climate survey as part of understanding what, what condition, if you will, your unit is in just like you would do a serialized inventory or, uh, you know, uh, have your crane report done to see what kind of condition your armory is in. Um, and, and it can be a, uh, a, a good tool for that. It's not a great tool again, because of the, you know, sort of the standardized questioning that goes on. Right. Uh, but it, it can be an indicator. So I don't, I don't think it's the same. Uh, no, stigma, I agree. I but agree I, with but you, but people through that time though, but so, I mean the commander, I mean, to what extent am I as a commander, um, beholden to the opinions of those who serve under me? Right, and I and I think we we know as leaders. Well, you're really not looking for you know how they want the unit to run. run. What you're looking for is trends in any comment, so that you can account for that. Um, but I've been told that you know those things are fraught with danger, and so you know to what extent does the consumer drive the market now? Well, I don't like it because they don't allow us to do this in our barracks anymore. You know, and. Um, and then when you couple that with the impact of social media, I mean, it is a, it is a, it's a much more perilous uh, time to I command. Mean, I'll, I'll, I'll command. Talk about the race cars now for a little bit. Uh -oh. Yes, be careful. Social media uh, and and what uh, you know on any given day, right. uh, you know any uh, any marine any of, of any of any rank really um, can do to a unit and to a command and, a, and by extension to the commander, um, is, uh, uh, is definitely a change. It is definitely different than it has been, uh, uh, in the past. It's changed and, and continues to get more, uh, acute really over the last, I would say five to 10 years as that, as again, those, that technology and those platforms have, uh, have grown and spread. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it, it, it almost, uh, you, you certainly remember, uh, congruence. Okay. Everybody here remembers, okay, what happens when right. official correspondence from a Marines member of Congress normally initiated by a family member or parent, right. uh, initiated by writing, uh, a letter to, uh, that that elected representative with 
pointed questions about um, anything from how the Marine is being treated to what the unit's doing, what sort of policies there, there are, and then the, and then the uh, uh, response to that and the rapid uh, requirement for that response uh, up and down the chain of command. Uh, I say social media is congruence on, on speed, congruence drinking Red Bull. Um, they're, they're that much faster. They're that much more uncontrolled, unfiltered. Uh, and in some cases, the reaction can be even more um, uh, detrimental to, uh, to the chain of command than, uh, than you know, the, the traditional congressional inquiry letter uh, or, uh, or, or White House red dot letter uh, used to be. Um, and because they're sort of uncontrolled, uh, and unfiltered, um, they're, they're potentially orders of magnitude more damaging. Well, and again, I mean, a uh, recent example, and I won't go to name, but there was a, a female Marine that was not happy with um, the way a case was adjudicated involving her and sexual harassment. Um, I'm, you know, and I won't go too much into the case, but she posted a very emotional uh, post on Twitter. That got a response from the from the office of the Secretary of Defense, right? As well as Headquarters Marine Corps, right? And it, I want to say same day response. Yes, that is the world. That is the world. I mean, that's a tough world to command in um, when everybody that has that kind of tool in their pocket. Um, so again, the you know uh, command is fraught with, I think, more. I don't want to use the word danger, but more challenges than ever uh, in terms of trying to do this. No, no, I agree. And and I think uh, the rule of thumb, um, as always, has to be, uh, you know, number one, uh, you, you have no control over what happens. You only have control over what you do when it happens. Uh, and the most important thing to do is uh, – tell the truth and keep telling the truth until the truth stops changing. Uh, and so, you know, you're going to discover things about your unit uh, that you didn't know. Uh, you're going to evaluate those, uh, whether it's something that you can do something about. And then if you can, you're also going to have to answer, should you do something about it? Uh, so it, it, it definitely makes the decisions that a commander has to make um, all the more complex uh, and, uh, yes, I mean command is 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 challenging. It's always been challenging, and uh, in this sort of environment, it can be it can be even more challenging, uh, and and uh, even more fraught for those who are uh, uh, you know think that they can control everything. Right. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you have to become uh, somewhat comfortable with uh, uh, a very very tenuous span of control sometimes. The um, here's an email for for you, Mac. I have a question for Woody, and it's just a data point, so I will understand if he doesn't know. There's a list in the Marine Corps that people go on when officers turn down command. I've been told the numbers on that list have grown over the years of people who reach the rank of lieutenant colonel and turn down command. Has Woody seen this? What list is 
this guy telling me about? And does he know if it's true? Well, first of all, um, anyone who uh, who is selected for now, there's there's two there's two parts to this. There are uh, officers who uh, routinely ask not to be considered for command, which would be uh, which is not what this guy's talking about. No. And then there are those who are already selected for command, in some cases slated for a specific command and then choose to decline it. Um, so yes, there's accountability there that, that you have to do that declining, uh, formally in a, in a letter that gets, uh, endorsed by your, uh, first general officer in your chain of command. Um, and, uh, that is, that is part of your, uh, your, per, your permanent record, your, uh, your master brief sheet or officer's master pil- uh, personnel file. It's, it's part of your, ter- your record, and that's something that any subsequent board uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be able to see and look at. Um, uh, is, it a, is it a death sentence? Is it the end of the road? No, it's not. There are officers who have declined command or uh, taken themselves out of uh, uh, contention uh, and then been selected subsequently. So, uh, no, there's no, there's no absolutes in this. Um, as far as a pretty, pretty amazing list, though, I think we would all look at that and go, what? Right. I mean, you, you don't want to command. And, and so, so do you know if that, do you know if that number's risen is, um, yeah. So I've, I've heard, and, and again, this is pure anecdotal, uh, uh, right. you know, what I call roommate. Um, I've heard that that number, uh, did go up for a while. Um, and, and I don't know where it currently stands. Um, I do know that like anything else in the Marine Corps like this that deals with manpower management, there, there, there probably isn't some, you know, mystical list somewhere, you know, the blacklist of, of, of Marines who've, you know, who've declined command and, but, but I guarantee you that we love to count things. And so I guarantee you that there are many lists where, um, those, those numbers are, are recorded and, and available for analysis, um, uh, you know, again, within the, the, the highest level of, uh, of Marine Corps command to determine if there is a, a trend, um, of, uh, of officers, uh, you know, declining command, um, upon selection and slating. And, uh, you know, and I, and I'm going to, I'll tell you, Matt, I am, I am one of those people. All right. I, I was selected for command as a colonel, uh, and I turned that command down because of, uh, uh, personal reasons, family reasons. And, uh, that's, that's just a fact of life. Um, in the Marine Corps where, where at, at times you do need to make a, uh, a difficult choice when the selection and slating process, um, wants to put you in a, in a geographic area where you're, you're unable to do the, uh, uh things that you may need to do to respond to a, a family emergency, uh, at short notice. So, um, unless you can, unless you can kind of find the, uh, uh, the sweet spot where, you know, geography and, and everything else matches. Sometimes you have to make that hard decision. Um, right. And I would, I would also tell you that it's, it is, it is not the end of the world and it is not uh, the end of your career per se, unless you uh, really want it to be and want to put your, uh, put your retirement papers in immediately after that. Interesting question though, because what, it, what he's, you know, when you parse all that, I think what he's getting at is, are there, people that are not in that position, right, whether it's it's their family and are simply turning down 
command because they believe it's too perilous, and they're more than willing to continue to serve out their career in on in staff job. I, I think you're right. I think there's which would be very um, interesting there, because a, I think there may be a group of uh, kind of be careful what you ask for Marines <laughs> um, who sort of you know I'll pay my money, take my chances, right. see where it come out on the list, and uh, if I don't get the command that I really wanted. Um, I mean, there, there was a time when, and I've, I've known, uh, uh, you know, good, good officers who've, you know, drawn their line in the sand and said, I will only accept command of a, uh, of a victor unit. I will only accept command of a, of an infantry battalion. I'm an infantry officer. I'm, I'm not going to take command of an I and I or a re, you know, recruiting station or some, something else like that. And like, well, you know, that's, that's an interesting attitude to have. Um, I, I don't know many of them who actually delivered on that. When they were offered the other command, right, right, right. So, right. Uh, but again, when it's when it's uh, you know some other consideration, uh, you know, outside professional consideration, uh, you know, yeah, there are people who, uh, you know, will make a will make a hard call. Um, however, uh, if it's if it's really just sort of the buyer's remorse thing, um, that may be an indicator about this uh, uh, heightened risk, if you will. Uh, involved in uh, in in being in command in today's environment. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think that's very interesting. Uh, that's very interesting because um, I, my first inkling of this, and I have two sons, was my number two son Patrick uh, when he's lieutenant rifle platoon commander. Um, him coming home and us talking, and I'd look at him and say, "Are you sure you're in the Marine Corps?" Are you, going, are you going to some other military during the day? And he looks at me and goes, <laughs> he looks at me and he says, dude, it ain't the same. I'm like, first of all, you're calling your father, dude. You better be very careful, son. Um, and uh, no, so that, that was my first inkling of it. And then my conclusion was um, he was in a unit that was struggling. Um, since then, I've... Uh, you know, I, 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 and that's why, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to fawn over your, in your, and your, in your infirm state, Woody, but that's why it's so important what you do because, and, and I'll link a few things. Um, a few years ago, General Furness, you know, said, we're not, we're not as disciplined as we need to be as an organization. He was literally drugged through the virtual streets of the nation. Uh, no other general officer other than General Alford publicly sp- spoke about the issue. Everybody knew it was a problem, though. Everybody knew knew it was a problem. Much of what you see in the 15th Mew investigation is a problem with organizational discipline. And and where it goes if we don't if we're not on it if 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 it's not part of what you do on a on a on a on a daily basis and so the 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 discussions that you're a steward of Woody I mean command is harder without a doubt you know somebody's pissed at you and they air your shit out on Twitter and then all all these anonymous bodies pile onto it and now you're the village idiot today blah 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 blah. You know, every command decision you make potentially is is gonna is up for national discussion. It's pretty, that's pretty uh, intimidating world to go command in. And so, um, so again, I I just you know, 
the discussions that you're the steward of in an organization that's evolving in in a in a world that's evolving i i can tell you how uh how important they are i think anyway and uh and you uh you sit in an extremely uh important <laughs> chair so you know get your ass well and and keep doing what you're doing because i mean these are incredibly important discussions because as we all know the nation doesn't need a marine corps we have a marine corps because the nation wants one and i think your discussions is your discussions are critical to making sure it's a better organization. So don't don't screw it up, Woody. Yep, got to keep it up. Yeah. Got to keep it up. All right, right, yeah, right. the rumors of my death have been greatly around. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, thank you very much for your time yeah. this morning. Uh, and wish you all the best in your recovery. And uh, as always, it's uh, great fun to have you on. And, and I, you know, Woody, a lot of guys would not come on and do this knowing that, uh, you, well, McNamara's got his own point of view, and it tends to be a liberal arts discussion when we go on. But uh, I love that you're not afraid of that, and uh, and and you participate. So thank you. Glad to do it. Glad to do it. Hi, right, bud. Get well. All right. You bet. Talk to you soon. There you have it. The one and only Chris Woodbridge here on a uh, Tuesday edition of All Marine Radio. Yeah, a lot of guys would not come on this show if I asked them to. I'd rather not. Why? Come on. Uh, no, Mac. I, you know, you're going to take me places where I'd rather not go. Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and Woody's been coming on for a long time and, and, uh, I'm, and I'm glad that he does. And, uh, and, uh, as with a lot of people, um, on this program. So, um, yeah, my thanks to him for, uh, for doing this. So that'll do it on a, uh, what's today, Tuesday? Yeah, that'll do it on a Tuesday. I was trying to start the music, it wouldn't start. you're just tuning in talk about high school sports in the open and uh, then the absurd proposition that the most diverse nation on the planet is a racist nation. And, and again, just travel around the world, take 90 days, get somebody to fund it for you, travel around the world and come back and tell me what you think. I dare you to. And, and, and then, but it gets better. And the nation that would be screaming that at the top of its lungs is a communist nation that has Muslims in concentration camps. It's a communist nation that just overran Hong Kong and is threatening to overrun the region. How beautiful is that? 
right? It's so rich, it's a joke. Yeah, that's the Chinese narrative now. Why Anthony Blinken sat for 22 minutes and didn't flip a table is beyond me. All right. Anyway, so on this Tuesday, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. I would encourage you to not be afraid to go change somebody's life. And if there's any way that I can help you do that, please don't hesitate. So on this Tuesday, don't touch that dial. I am out.